Um, yep, Pete. Uh, for those who don't know me, uh, Peter Hay, I've since March this year, I've come to be part of this church and help to lead it in the way that we feel God is calling us to be. Um, and this morning, we're going to be picking up again on something that we stopped um, at, the, at the end of November, which is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and the big question which we're posing at the moment is, who are we? I don't know, Derek, whether we can get the slides up. What's our identity as a church? We've got a, a vision statement that says we want to be a church family dedicated to impacting our communities with God's love. And there's a, an aspect in which we're going to hear Jesus speak to us afresh, I believe, um, our identity. Um, but before I'm, we get going, I was amused as I was just searching for um, illustrations on the internet, some images on the internet as to what might come up with, and this was it. <laughs> I didn't really expect to find an image of deodorant when it comes to being salt and light. We are going to be looking at salt and light, but um, anyway, it's been a month. Um, I feel that, that God just wants us to be freshly amazed again at the influence that he sees that we can have as we step into our identity that he gives us. It builds on all that we've been looking at in terms of Jesus teaching us um, from the Beatitudes. And it's right in the middle of then, which then goes on to, so how do we live this out? And so be between the character qualities that Jesus says that Christians, his disciples will have, and how do we live it out? He speaks these words of identity to us. In that, there's a challenge and also a warning. And the question is, will we receive what Jesus says over us? Will we receive it again afresh, what Jesus says over us? And what are we going to do with it? Um, and before we go into this in detail, I just wanted to highlight two important things, two things in terms of context. Um, why we're doing this and the context in which Jesus gives us this identity. I mentioned that we see ourselves, we believe God's given us this vision to be a church family dedicated to impacting our communities with God's love. But what does that look like? How are we going to be equipped to live that out? And as we started this journey, our approach was to say, Jesus, disciple us, apprentice us, like you did with your disciples when you lived on earth. Disciple us in your ways. Create within us the character qualities that are going to be able for this vision to become our lived reality and the lived reality of, for those who live in Tadley and in the surrounding villages. And the approach that we have been inspired by with Jesus is he says, come to be with me. In being with me, become like me. And then go and do and we just keep on coming back to this. Jesus, we come to you. We want to know who you are. and We want to admire you just 
uh, in ways in which will transform who we are. And then we want to follow you and obey you. And the context in which then Jesus says these words, if I just want to remind us back, we looked at this um, right at the start in terms of Matthew 4. The context of Jesus is him moving from Nazareth, from where he lived, to a new place. And I was reflecting back then as to, for so many of us here, we've moved from where we used to live because God called us to live here. And I found that a really helpful thing just to connect with. Jesus moving people here and then saying, now what's going to happen? Jesus was bringing great light to a place that had darkness. That's what people started to experience. And they experienced that as he was preaching, saying, repent, change the way in which you're living, for the kingdom of God is breaking in to the place in which you're living. Kingdom of God is breaking into the lives of the people who live in this place. And I just freshly want to encourage us as we are people that are now living here. What's going to be our, what are we going to be saying? That proactiveness that um, Rachel was encouraging us to. How do we speak these words of life of change? Because the kingdom of God is breaking in. Welcome the kingdom of God. He taught them and he proclaimed the gospel. This good news. And healed every disease and every infliction from among people. Don't we want to see that happen? It's God re- fr- freshly re-anointing the church with his spirit so that as we pray for the sick, they're healed. As we pray for people to be released from the things that hold them captive, they are released. And in the midst of all that, he then f- calls people to follow him. Two stories or two accounts of him calling brothers who were fishermen. One casting their nets, the other one in their boat mending nets. Saying, leave what you used to do behind, where your focus was. I'm going to make you fishers of people, fishers of men. And as the kingdom breaks into the world, humans start becoming made whole. They start following this attractive person who is preaching good news to them and demonstrating what that good news looks like. People from all around the area started to come and to follow them. And that takes us into, as Jesus saw the people, and that fresh uh, challenge to us as we see people, what's our response to them? Seeing the crowds. Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down and called his disciples to him and started beginning to teach him. And that's where we picked up all the way back in September. And as we just remind ourselves these phrases, note again what attitudes, what behaviors, what postures he highlights are those that provide a blueprint for life for flourishing, for human flourishing. This is what he's after. He was wanting to highlight that. He's looking across the crowd. He's teaching his disciples and saying, 
these are the qualities that if you embrace as the kingdom of God comes, as these change your life, you will start being a flourishing people who will then go on to impact many people's lives. It may feel upside down in terms of what the world understands as the qualities that bring flourishing to the world until the way that Jesus sees things start becomes, starts becoming the right way up for us. And I hope that as you reflect back on what's been changing in your own lives since September, you've been going, these are the qualities that I would love to see happen in my life. And I am enamored by the approach in which these qualities start to grow and what starts. So let's look at them again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize their spiritual poverty, their inability on their own to live life to the full, their need for God, for theirs, and only theirs, is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn the condition of their own soul, the condition of the world in which we live in, because God says I'm going to come and strengthen them. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who are gentle, humble, kind, whose strength of character and strength of passion is under control. Those are the ones that will inherit the earth. Blessed are those whose response to all that's going on in the world is not to rail against it, but to hunger and thirst for right relatedness in the world again. Right relatedness with God, with ourselves, and with others. For they, for those who hunger for that will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, the Shalom makers, the well-being makers, the wholeness makers, for they will be called the sons of God. And then the challenging bit in particular. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that's the context in which we're about to see and hear Jesus highlight our identity. You're blessed because your attitudes, your, belong, your longings, your behaviors are being transformed into the very character traits that Jesus exemplifies. As more and more of Jesus starts growing within you by his spirit, you're blessed. Every life starts to make sense in terms of what, how can life flourish for me, for others, for our families, for our communities. These are in sync with who he is and with his kingdom of love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And it's to these people 
I just want to highlight that again. The, these people, this, this community of disciples. It's to these people here in Tadley in the surrounding villages. Those who see themselves connected to a congregation. Those who see themselves disconnected or living, choosing to live out their Christian faith in a different way. To that collective group. To the poor, to the mourners, to the meek, to the merciful, to the well-being makers, to those who have a passion for righteousness, for a passion for purity of heart. He gives a corporate identity, giving through two metaphors which are really common to us. The metaphors of salt and light. And as we look at these, I just want you to think about where can I just keep on reminding myself? I don't know how many are going to have lunch after this meeting. Might you be having salt on your roast potatoes, if that's what you have in. I always love salt on my roast potatoes. But I was just thinking as I was coming in here this morning, every time I pick up salt, may this remind me of the identity in which God is calling or bestowing upon us afresh. It's going to get dark tonight for everyone. Yeah, As we turn on the light switch, may that remind us of what we listened to this morning. So here's the first. This is how Jesus sees us and uses us. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus isn't saying, I want you to become like salt. He's saying to these people that he said, these are the Beatitudes, these are the qualities. He's just saying over them, you are the salt of the earth. And that struck me afresh, just preparing for this. Will I receive that? He's just saying, this is who we are. As we leave this today, as we pick up our salt to flavor our food, you are the salt. I am, we, we, we are the salt. We're to be salt here where we live. What's salt used for? Salts, you talked about in the Bible a lot. But two particular things. One, we've talked about, I just mentioned in terms of flavor. But one of the main things it's used for is as a preservative and a healing agent. Back in those days, there weren't refrigerators. Salt was used to rub into meat, to fish, to preserve it. My South African friends reminded me yesterday, biltong. Yeah? I don't know whether you like biltong or not. Who likes biltong? Quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah? 
Once salt, my understanding of this, you can tell me, once salt is rubbed into this meat, this biltong will just last for a long, 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 long time. Because it kills bacteria. It kills off what creates, what leads to decay. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What is he saying to us in this context? I believe he's saying we are to be agents rubbed in to society to stop the rot. As I was just thinking about that, I was just thinking, God, don't we want that? Now, I don't know where your salt is. My salt's in a grinder. I, we use Himalayan salt at home. That's the one I like. Um, but in the grinder, it's of no use. In the grinder, it's no use. It has to be taken out, crushed up, rubbed in to be able to preserve. What's God saying to us? What's God saying to you? What are you feeling him say this morning? Without contact, salt won't make any difference. Interestingly, in all of this, it says, This salt has lost its taste. How shall saltiness, its saltiness be restored? It's no good if it's lost its ability to preserve or to flavor or whatever it's being, its healing agent. Salt itself can never go off. I heard that and I thought, I don't know whether I believe that. So I had to go and check again. I went to... One of the salt makers, I can't remember whereabouts on the internet. And apparently it is true. The only way that salt can stop having its saltiness if it gets contaminated. Isn't that challenging? Isn't that challenging? The only way we can lose our saltiness is if in us looking to be in the world in contact with the world, being rubbed into the world, we get contaminated. Which is why Jesus says, be in the world, but not of the world. I'd never seen that connection before. Listen to this quote. Read this quote. This really speaks to so often what we feel, isn't it? One can hardly blame unsalted meat for going bad. Can't do anything else. The real question to ask is where is the salt? 
in our schools, in our communities, in our families. It's easy for us to rail against what is happening in society and what, what do people value and what's happening at this moment in the world as the consequences of our choices. I think this quote is a real good challenge to us. Meat's going to go off unless salt is rubbed in. Where's the salt? Where's the salt in Tadley? Where's the salt in the villages? Where's the salt in the schools? Where's the salt in the healthcare system? In the education system? Where's the salt? And Jesus says, you are the salt. The challenge is, what are we going to do with it? Next thing he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, in heaven, your Father who is in heaven. Just like Jesus brought great light to people living in darkness. Remember chapter 4. As Jesus' character gets formed within us, and as we say, your kingdom come, your will be done, as we spend the time with Jesus and become like him, that light of Christ, of Jesus, is able to then shine out. The question is, will we let it shine or will we hide it? That's why as a, as a church and churches, we're investing in being able to be light in schools, in contact with children, with people with staff so that light can shine. That's why we do it in the lunch club. Where is Jesus calling you to be? What has he put within you already that he says, I want you to be rubbed into the place where you're working to make a difference? I want you to shine like a light. How does the light shine? In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. I love the good works that happens already in this community. It's why Mary and I were so excited to be invited to become part of this church. I love the conversations that we're having at lunch club about their next steps. I love the conversations we're having with Tadley, Green, Green Hill Tadley. How that can be brought together with what's happening in the schools. I love the welcome that we're experiencing throughout the community as we offer to do good things, yeah, to help. It's being embraced, it's being welcomed. But we're to do these good works 
in a way that gives glory to the Father in heaven. And I've just been thinking about this in terms of, we'll go on to it, in terms of when Ed speaks about the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed, glorified be your name. Speaks right to this. In our prayers, our bold prayers, right at the start of that bold prayer that Jesus teaches, Our Father, hallowed, glorified be your name. I want wherever we go for us to go, I want my Father to be your Father. I want you to know my Father and all that comes in knowing my Father. So it leads us to how we're going to respond. We, it's going to lead us into communion. But I just wanted to uh, just share some things that I've been grappling with, trying to think through this. Just in all of this, recognizing and understanding and receiving. That's why I just wanted to say, remember the salt. Remember when it gets dark. We just want to keep on meditating on this for a while. Understand, receive, value this identity that Jesus gives us. Value the dignity of Jesus calling us, training us to be like him and then saying, Here's how I will use you. Isn't it amazing to be given this opportunity? To, for Jesus to have the confidence in us to say, you are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. I hope we can feel that level of confidence that Jesus has within us and how we respond to that. Because there's, we need to accept the responsibility that goes with it. That's what we kept on seeing as we read through both those passages. There's a responsibility and a challenge not to leave the salt in the cellar, the sh- crusher, but to say, crush whatever you want in me, rub me in, to the places where I am. It can just be your next door neighbor as well. Don't let me be hidden under a basket. Live it out visibly. My prayer this year is that we become more, not just move from being ashamed sometimes of the good news and being a Christian, but we move to being confident, excited, inspired by the confidence that Jesus has in us. Confidence to be able to stop the spread of evil and to shine a light on truth and beauty and goodness that's so powerful that it can transform lives as his kingdom comes. And I don't know how you're feeling at the moment, but if you're feeling overwhelmed by this, the Beatitudes teach us to say, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
It's okay to be overwhelmed by this because Jesus is pointing us back to going, I need God. If you're feeling overwhelmed by what this looks like in your workplace, your home, your wherever it is, it's okay. He says, just mourn. Grieve over the state of where things are at. But as you, you see and you mourn and you grieve, don't rail against it in a way that is just angry. Allow that passion to be controlled by the Spirit, harnessed by the Spirit, and then hunger and thirst for rightness, right-relatedness. Ask him to put a purity back within our hearts. Transformers to be like him. To be able to be the shallow makers. See yourselves as part of this being salt and light, well-being makers. He's equipping us to be able to do what we want to be able to do. So much so that as persecution comes, as the lashback comes, as people misunderstand what we're all about, we will go, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it. I'm going to still keep on doing it. Because God has this confidence that we are going to be salt and light here. Interestingly, we're talking about this as we're just about to enter prayer this week across the churches, across the congregations for unity. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's pray not just for Community Church Tadley. Let's pray that all the disciples become united. Recognizing that we are salt and we are light. Which brings us to communion. Which brings us to remember Jesus as he was about to go to the cross, gathering and saying, come into union with me. Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center of the hub. Remembering his covenant towards us, made with his blood and our opportunity And Emily's going to lead us into this to renew our covenant with Jesus. Father, thank you for giving us these words. By your spirit, may we receive this identity that you've put on us, that you place on us that you call us to step into, may we step in. May we step in to see ourselves as salt and light and be salt and light. Empower us, Holy Spirit, that our good works that you call us to glorifies the Father, our Father. 
Jesus' name, amen.